0: You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from, Alexa, Stitcher, anything I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday day after the NBA lottery, and we now know what the top of the draft order is going to be, and it gives us a pretty good idea of what we're going to see happen in this NBA draft, which doesn't really concern the Pelicans in the first round, but some bad news here. It didn't go the way we'd like. Orlando did not end up with the number one overall pick. Screw you, Bulls. And it ended up being a lot of Western Conference teams, and some of them are going to get some really good players. We'll run that down for you, talk a little bit about the Conference Finals going on here. Quicker episode of Locked on Pelicans today, kind of a slow news day when it comes to the Pels and the NBA as a whole. Don't forget, listen to Locked on NBA as well, where we're diving more in-depth in these games. But I want to really talk about this Warriors-Rockets matchup, because I think that's the one that we're all going to be watching. So, like I said, quicker podcast today, so let's just kind of dive right on into everything. So the Phoenix Suns ended up with the number 1 overall pick, not exactly what you would have liked to see for the New Orleans Pelicans. You wanted this all to be, uh, you know, Eastern Conference teams. That's what we were hoping for except the Bulls. Screw those guys. So this didn't go exactly the way that New Orleans would have liked. The Suns landed the number 1 overall pick. The Sacramento Kings ended up at 2. Atlanta Hawks Both the Atlanta Hawks and Sacramento Kings jumped into the top three with the Suns basically keeping what they were supposed to have had. The Memphis Grizzlies are then at four, followed by the Dallas Mavericks at five. The Orlando Magic at six. Way to help us out, Orlando. Chicago Bulls at seven. Again, screw them. Cleveland Cavaliers at eight. Um, And that's that Brooklyn Nets pick that was traded to them in the Kyrie Irving trade. By the way, that trade looks so bad now. If you watch the game last night between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers, the guys that the Cavs got basically for... Um, Crowder and Isaiah Thomas combined for three total points in that game. So if you really break it down, you could say the Cavs traded Kyrie Irving for the eighth overall pick and a bunch of players who scored three points for them in a game that they lost. Not the best trade there we've ever seen. New York Knicks over at nine, Philadelphia 76ers at 10. That's the Lakers pick that they have there. Charlotte Hornets at eleven. And then you've got the Los Angeles Clippers at 12 and 13, the Denver Nuggets at 14, not jumping high up in the lottery. That's a very good thing. So how is this going to kind of play out? And we can do a really early mock draft here. Um, And I think it's pretty obvious that the Phoenix Suns are going to be taking Luka Doncic. He's the point guard from Real Madrid. He's out of Slovenia. Uh, One, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the Phoenix Suns head coach's name, but he basically is going to be, he was the guy who coached Slovenia to a Eurobasket title. So there's some talent there. This dude is a straight-up playmaker. And, you know, kind of has shades of what we all thought Ricky Rubio might be coming in, but even better than that. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun there. Sacramento at two is where it gets kind of interesting. And I'm not entirely sure what they are going to go with. But I think if you had to pencil anything in right now, it's going to be DeAndre Ayton the freshman center out of Arizona. This dude is huge, 7 feet, 7'5", seven wingspan, averaged 20 points and 11 rebounds per game. And basically, just looks to be like a comparable player to DeMarcus Cousins or Towns in the current NBA. And sometimes when you get a player of that caliber, even if it's at the center position, where they already have a lot of bigs, you know, I don't think you can turn it down. They're not looking to compete right away, so why not take the best player Available. At three, you're gonna have Atlanta go with probably Jaron Jackson. That's what I think. You know, he's he's a big, he's got again good height. He's kind of a weird tweener, but he's gonna be able to play both ways. I think that's an important thing as well. For Memphis Grizzlies, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because they have a couple of things that they could do. It depends on how comfortable you feel with Mark Gasol. If you like him still here, you know, maybe you don't go Mo Bamba out of Texas, but my god that dude is gonna be so good defensively here's his numbers by the way his just physical like talents it's he's seven feet tall and he's got a seven nine wingspan this is called a rim protector right here i think his comps a lot of people say are rudy gobert and tyson chandler that also can stretch out to the three-point line and then just dunk it inside that's a lot of fun The Mavericks, I think, would love him to fall. I think Orlando would really love Bamba to fall, but I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to go. I think what you're going to end up seeing is Marvin Bagley III out of Duke go to the Dallas Mavericks at five. Um, You know, again, more of a tweener. He has... He can play inside, but he doesn't have a good jumper, so it's tough to develop those kind of guys. But I think they want to get a big, particularly now, where you've got to kind of zag in that Southwestern Conference with the Houston Rockets there like the Pelicans did. Maybe it's some of the blueprint on what to do. I think you'll see Michael Porter Jr. go at six to the Orlando Magic. They have no real reason to get another center. I think they want another athletic big who can drain shots from the three-point line. And, you know, if they can figure out their point guard situation after that, I think they're going to be in a very good spot. Chicago Bulls, there's a number of players here, and this is probably where we're going to cut this off because, again, it's a way too early mock draft here. Chicago Bulls could do a number of different things. I don't think they go backcourt, though, because you do have Chris Dunn there that they've really liked Zach Levine's there as well. So that leaves Miles Bridges or Michael Bridges, and one of them's a 3 and D prospect in Mikhail Bridges, and I think that's probably the guy you've got to take. Um, and, you know, one of the issues might be that he's a junior. He's out of Villanova. That's not ideal. Um, you know when you've got a guy who's over 21 years old maybe you go with Miles Bridges who's out of Michigan State he's a sophomore so still um, he's more of a a well-rounded type of player compared to the other Bridges so I think these two might be interchangeable but I think it Eight when the Cavs are picking. I don't think it's going to go past Trey Young, and I think that's where the Oklahoma guard is going to get up, going to go. This is a guy who a lot of people was were given comparables to to Steph Curry to start the season with his shooting and everything. A tremendous perimeter score. He's young. He's a freshman. He averaged 27.4 points per game and 8.7 assists in college. That's really, really Good. There's just no other way to say that. And maybe LeBron James kind of likes him. So I think that's who you're going to see go there. And that's what we're just going to call it. We're going to call it here right now. I haven't done enough research on a number of these prospects just yet here in the NBA. And we'll do it as we get closer and we'll do an official locked on Pelicans mock draft, which I think would be a lot of fun to do at some point. So We'll do that at some point, but it's still way too early for that right now, though. The Combine does start tomorrow, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun because that's where Pelicans fans should be paying attention because those are the guys that might be around there in that second round that they would be looking to draft. You guys know who I want because that would just be really cool. Melvin Frazier all the way. So anyway, make sure you check out Locked on NBA five days a week, Monday through Friday, and I co-host the Wednesday edition every single week, recapping the action the night before previewing the upcoming action and talking about the biggest stories here in the association. Obviously going to be talking about the lottery, about the Boston Celtics going up 2-0 and previewing that Western Conference Finals. Uh, matchup game two between the Warriors and the Rockets it is a lot of fun so make sure you listen to Locked On NBA so the coaching carousel has still been spinning but one stop has been filled and that is the Atlanta Hawks so without further ado I'm going to let Locked On Hawks take it away here to give you the inside scoop the local angle on new Atlanta Hawks head coach Lloyd
1: Pierce Hello friends, I am Brad Roland on the Locked On Hawks podcast and the Atlanta Hawks officially have a new basketball coach as of Friday evening as the team announced that they have an agreement in principle with a former, I guess now former, Philadelphia fellow ers assistant coach Lloyd Pierce who will be a first time head coach in the NBA. Uh, that comes on the heels of the team parting ways with, with Mike Budenholzer back on April 25th and since so that point, the Hawks did a pretty extensive search. They interviewed seven candidates after uh, that they narrowed things down to uh, three or four finalists but at the same time. Um, that you know, over the last few days, it certainly appeared as if they were going to center on Lloyd Pierce. Of course, the, Six, the Sixers were still involved in the playoffs until late in the week here, but at, at the same time, there was uh, plenty of meetings. Apparently, Pierce met with the Hawks on three different occasions, including meetings with Tony Ressler, the, the team's owner, and the GM, Travis Link. And at, at the end of the process, uh, both Adrian Wojnarowski and Mark Spears at ESPN broke the news of the hire on Friday evening, and uh, here we are. And after that, it had been basically a, a less than well kept secret in the uh, in the last several hours of the uh, candidacy transitioning into that offer and of course the acceptance on the part of pierce he brings with him a strong player development background in Philadelphia and uh, several other stops before that, including Golden State, in which he worked with Travis Schlenk briefly. Schleck was, of course, an assistant under, under Bob Myers in the front office with the Warriors before taking over for the Hawks. Uh, and Atlanta clearly was targeting a young coach to help, to help lead their rebuilding. Pierce was actually, ironically, hired on his 42nd birthday on Friday. And he's going to be tasked with, with doing just that in the future for the Hawks as this team transitions Um of course, they already spent uh, most of this season rebuilding uh, and uh, after a 10-year after playoff streak came to an end. But uh, with Budenholz out the door and Pierce in the door, a lot of uh, sort of overturning and uh, sort of overhauling the way that the, that the team's going to be operating. And of course, everyone is uh, pretty upbeat when it comes to this hire. It's uh, definitely the case with any first-time coaching hire that the jury has to be out at this point still with the ability of Pierce to manage all of the overall tasks associated with being a head coach for the first time, managing a staff, all that fun stuff. But all of the buzz out of Philadelphia is very positive about his defensive approach, his player relations, his player development. Uh, a lot of, a lot of congratulations coming, um, coming from Pierce, uh, coming to Pierce, I should say from around the league, uh, guys who, who played for him in Philadelphia and other spots reaching out, um, but publicly on social media to congratulate Pierce and the Hawks are very, very pleased with their hire. He'll be introduced on Monday, but in the meantime, the Hawks have a new head coach and uh, right in time for a, a very, very pivotal moment at the, at the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday. Pierce will be in place for that point in time. Then the Hawks can look sort of cohesively at the future in Atlanta. So a lot of things to be excited about in the middle of a rebuild for the Hawks. And Lloyd Pierce will be the head coach beginning right about now.
0: There's a theme kind of developing with a lot of these head coaching hires, which is the right theme and a different theme, and I've used that word too much now, uh, that we've seen come through all of these hires in the past, and that is player development. Right here, Lloyd Pierce known for helping develop these guys that made Philadelphia so good this season. James Borrego going to Charlotte as a player development guy. Igor Koskoskov over in the Phoenix Suns, I got it right that time, known for player development and bringing along the likes of Rudy Gobert and those, some of those other guys. And instead of hiring retreads looking to make a almost splashy name and maybe get yourselves right back into the playoffs, a lot of these teams have realized it's a slower process to get back back into contention and you need to bring these guys along slowly and it's not something that should be rushed and I think that is the right mindset that you want to see from this team and from all of these teams that have a lot of young players that don't necessarily fit here after years of drafting for best available but now all of a sudden they're looking for young smart up-and-coming coaches Uh, not always young I guess but just up-and-coming coaches who have a hand in the player development side of things you're not seeing you know the Vinny Del Negros of the world get rehired even though I actually don't think he would be the worst hire for certain teams but you're seeing a lot of these guys kind of get in there to bring along players slowly and just know that their window right now is not for three or four more years partially because of the Warriors and I think maybe that is you know part of it as well I think you know the Knicks are maybe the exception to this because it's New York and they feel like they have to try and compete right away they went with Fizdale and I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the best fit Either so you're seeing, like I said, the theme of player development come through, and I think Philly and Boston are both teams kind of leading the examples of this of what you want to do to try and build your franchise. And now then you know the new Thunder model is maybe what you're calling it, something like that. So I think that's an interesting thing to see. In years past, it hasn't always been like this. Maybe the league's evolving a little bit. They're getting a little bit smarter. I think that's going to be a good thing overall. It's just going to mean there's more talent and talented. Players in the league, if you're patient with them. Though maybe they do get frustrated and you'll see some player movement because they just haven't won in their current locales enough. That could also be it as well. So there's maybe a bit of a downside to it, but bring guys along slowly. Don't try and go competing for a number of years because maybe that's good for the Pelicans not having another team jump up in there to try and all of a sudden have to fight with and battle with for a spot in the Western Conference playoffs. So not actually going to preview the Rockets and Warriors, changed my mind, like I said, shorter podcast today, no need to really go long here, but we will talk about that series and the Celtics and Cavaliers series uh, soon at some point this week, maybe tomorrow, that might be fun to try and dive in once we've got two games under our belts for both of them, because I don't know what Houston's supposed to do here, so maybe they go out and win and we can kind of learn a little bit more about the team. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.